CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Well, if you're like myself and you still need to de-stress after the the West Final in the CFL this weekend, I'd like to start the podcast off with some nice, relaxing, guided meditation. Breathe in. Breathe out. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. And for the first time ever in the history of this podcast, we are previewing a Grey Cup game featuring the hometown Winnipeg Blue Bombers. There's a smile on your face, Mike. There hasn't, the one on mine hasn't left since the game ended on Sunday. How are you doing this evening? Well, I'll be honest with you. I watched the game in a packed restaurant with a bunch of Saskatchewan Rough fans and Bomber fans, by the way. Uh, fair to say which way in my group who was happier. But um, I don't even remember any of what happened in the first three minutes, to be honest, or in the last three minutes, because I had so much trouble breathing because it was so stressful. Like, Breathe in, breathe out, and it was a scenario where I had to basically rewatch the last five minutes, knowing the result, to fully enjoy what the Bombers have pulled off. We have our Grey Cup matchup, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Grey Cup 107 this Sunday. We're going to talk about the division finals today. We're going to talk about what went wrong for Saskatchewan, what went wrong for Edmonton. And then we'll get into talking about the Bombers and the Ticats here on episode number 99 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. And Mike, we're on episode 99 today. You know what that means. Next week's 100, baby. Triple digits. Party. And a party it will be. And I think we can't share the full details yet of what we've got planned for episode 100, but we can guarantee you... Uh, this will be the biggest, most extravagant episode in the history of this podcast. And maybe even more so if the Bombers, you know, pull off the first Grey Cup victory in our lifetime. Can we at least share the time frame in which we're live? Uh, yeah, we'll be live on Mike FM Winnipeg. Uh, MikeFMWinnipeg.com is where we record live always, If you, uh, in case you normally listen to the podcast and want to join us live, join us there. From 7 till 10 p.m. Monday, November 25th, a three-hour show for episode 100 and uh, working on our biggest guest lineup ever. I can't share any details yet because nothing's officially confirmed. Also, we might run into some issues given that, you know, the Grey Cup just ends on Sunday. There's a lot of people flying home, but uh, we are working on trying to get our biggest guest lineup ever on the history of this show and we'll let you uh we'll let you try to make your own predictions on who we will all have but trying to get at least a couple guests in here to help us uh break down everything from the gray cup and from uh the 2019 cfl season over the course of three hours next week for episode 100 triple digits triple hours and uh 
triple the fun if the Bombers pull it off. Absolutely. Looking forward to that. Um, other things we've got going on before we get into talking about the games. Uh, we do still have a contest going on our Twitter page. Uh, the 2019 CFPN uh, trading cards will be coming out this week, I believe. Uh, so if you're at Grey Cup, make sure you go around, find your favorite podcaster and get yourself some of those. And uh, we're celebrating it by giving away two full sets of our 2018 cards. Uh, the entire deck of cards, two lucky people will win one. All you got to do, go uh, find our pinned tweet at CFC on Mike FM on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following us. Make sure you're following at CF Pod Network. And uh, go and reply and tell us who your favorite uh, CFL podcast in the Canadian Football Podcast Network is. Uh, contest goes until this Wednesday. Uh, that is uh, just checking today's date to make sure uh, November 20th will be drawing the winner for that contest at that point. Just so, want to make a quick mention because I did see this out on our social media accounts. You have to share the original tweet. You, you don't have to share the tweet. It's, no, uh, the original. I said there was some answers that were... I guess not viewable, at least for me. No, I, I have all of the entries in there. So oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All you got to do, yeah, go go look at the original tweet. It's pinned on our yeah. Twitter page, at CFC on Mike FM. Uh, make sure you follow the instructions uh, outlined there. And, instructions, uh, everyone to a T. Not one, not two, but all of them. Yes, all three instructions. Get your entries in, and we'll be drawing winners on Wednesday. And uh, we have quite a few entries so far, so good luck to everybody who has. And we love seeing everybody spread the love to their favorite uh, podcasts around the network. And I won't give too much away because I want to leave this a surprise for the winner, but there's a little bit of a surprise in the card path for the winner. Yes. Well, we'll leave it at that. Um, what else do we got going on, Mike, that we have to talk about? I, th I think that's pretty much everything. So uh, let's get into talking about the games this week uh we'll talk about Saskatchewan we'll talk about Edmonton first get them out of the way so we can focus on the two teams playing for glory this coming weekend I want to start off with this because this is something that needs to be said right away um Cody Fajardo hits the crossbar final play of the game you see him lying on the field in anguish afterwards you see him very emotional after the game you see him go on Twitter and apologize to the fans in Saskatchewan that he let them down. Let's be clear, loud and clear here. Cody Fajardo did not let anybody down. And I, I don't know if I'm qualified to speak on behalf of Ryder fans. I'm probably not. Um, but you can tweet from an opposition standpoint. Yeah. I would have Cody Fajardo on my team any day. Uh, the guy was dealing with two torn oblique muscles. Um, many wondering if he would even play this week. He goes out there, grits out a performance, had a heck of a year. There's a reason he's an MOP candidate uh, for the West Division with the way he played all year. And he put out a gutsy performance against the Bombers and came so close to coming back, out, coming out there uh, up against the injuries he was dealing with and leading his team to a win. 27 of 41 for 366 yards. Uh, no touchdowns, interception. Uh, no doubt in my mind, Cody Fajardo played a heck of a game, and I really hope he doesn't. I really hope he realizes that he didn't let people down, and that more so it was 
wonderful. It was inspiring to see the effort he gave in the playoff game, and uh, and I think it showed out there on the field. Yeah, and to me, it's interesting because there was a stat coming into this week that last 10 division winners in both conference had not lost this game, so that streak was at 11 prior uh, to the Winnipeg Statsman game. And I'm not sure what Saskatchewan did on their week off, but in my mind, Saskatchewan looked like the team, at least early on, that played last week and not the Bombers. They looked a little out of sync, a little out of sorts. And I had a person suggest to me that Tony Pajardo's oblique injury was pretty hampering considering Saskatchewan and the way it was explained to me the riders like to run a lot of those timing routes uh Pajardo as you saw on multiple occasions likes to throw to the opposite side of the field that is obviously contingent on timing uh one second earlier one second too late the whole play doesn't work and I think that was a lot of the case in the first half. And then all of a sudden he seemed to find something in the, in the bomber defense that, you know, gave them some success. And they pretty much dominated the second half in my mind. But again, it, like a lot of close football games, Two or three plays decide the game, and the Bombers got those plays, and Saskatchewan, quite honestly, didn't. And I remember talking to you, it was before the game, where I said, Darvin Adams is going to have a big play somewhere along the line. Somebody's going to break one out. Might not have used those words uh, exactly, but it ended up being that one of the bigger plays of the game was stretching the field, but to the team like when the bomber needed a big play uh, to get out of more specifically the territory of the end zone, shadows of the goalpost, needed a key first down, there was a big, big uh, 20 plus yard completion, there was a couple of those uh, to really flip the field, and it even, even not something that we haven't seen uh, in the fourth quarter, I thought we saw some tendency breakers, uh, one of which was that Talaros running for a first down, which had me terrified. Yeah. Um, yep, pretty much, yeah. But every single one of the games, um, even I've been two with Edmonton and Hamilton to an extent, you know, there's a lot of video on your opponent. The team that hadn't buy had the luxury of watching another game on you and prepare for both teams. And I think it's fair to say that uh, defenses ruled the day in both games from a standpoint that Hamilton defense forced a lot of turnovers and Edmonton defense wasn't nearly um, as proficient as they were last week. I think it's safe to say, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, sometimes you look at a CFL game and you, you can't really chalk it up to the way the team's prepared during the week, the end result of it sometimes, right? There's some games where 
a team can come in with a great game plan and it's just not their day and they don't end out on top. But then there's some games like the one the Riders lost in the West Final here where you can translate it exactly, in my opinion, to the game plans drawn up in practice this week. You look at what Winnipeg did against Calgary the week before, where it was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. The entire second half, basically, was it Andrew Harris, Nick Dembski, Chris Strevler. You could see that just looking at the defensive scheme from the Riders this week, they were ready to go for any time Chris Strevler was going to run the ball. And they stopped him quite a bit. Like, Chris Strevler did not have an impact on this game like I think most of us thought he would. He was four carries for 10 yards. That was it. He did have a key one at the end of the game, get them out of the shadows of the goalpost. But the Riders focused so much on stopping Chris Strevler because I think you have to with the dynamics of this Bombers defense that they maybe didn't have the downfield coverage that they needed to. And and the Bombers exploited that with all the explosion plays. You had the long passes, Zach Caleros, <sighs> like the entire first quarter, like oh, half of Zach Caleros passes seemed like they were going beyond 20, 30 yards. And there were some of them, where not all of them were completed. There were some, including a late game one to Darvin Adams in the second half that just missed its fingertips that probably would have put the game away earlier. Like, there were breaks in the Riders' coverage, and I think it's because they had they felt like they needed to focus their entire game plan on the Bombers' run game. And and this is the problem, right? You did a great job minimizing the run game. That's how they let Kalal to basically turn the game on a tab, break the tendencies, and... To me, to me, that's why I think the Bombers have a chance. Because, to be honest, I don't think Hamilton's seen the best of Winnipeg. Uh, and the one game Straveler played, that was probably his worst game that he ever played the one here in Winnipeg this year. And, you know, they have Matt Nichols, who uncharacteristically early in that game in Hamilton anyway, gave the game away with a bunch of turnovers. And Obama could never quite get in sync. But what gives me and I think she gives the Bomber fans some hope, if you want to call it that, is this offense that can literally come at you a million ways. So Statham did a great job defending the run. Not so much the past. So is Hamilton there... gonna have to spend all week trying to differentiate, you know, how much do we worry about the path versus how much do we worry about with the run? So is there something defensively the riders could have done differently this week? Realistically um... here, because I think if they do focus more on the pass, they're going to shut down some of those large ones, but then you have those running lanes open there. I'm just surprised that we didn't see what I thought made Calgary successful, and that was uh, uh, run blitzing, basically walking right up to the line and saying, okay, you can run the ball, but we're blitzing you. We're going to cover all the running holes, and if you throw it, well, you gotta throw a quit. If you run it, you're gonna run right into our blitz holes. But Coleros, to be fair, on those long passes, whipped that ball out there pretty quick. Like there he, was two-step drop, boom, sixty-six he, yards to Darvin Adams. He had to. He had to because. And here's another thing. Looking back, 
If I'm the writer, I would have rushed three and dropped eight into coverage. But here's the thing. You can't do that for four quarters against Winnipeg. Because all of a sudden you worry so much about man coverage, they can slip Andrew Harris in there. I know that Andrew Harris didn't exactly have the best game statistically compared to the Western semifinal. But I would still give him and Chris Traveler players of the game player of the game for the Bombers, even though they didn't do much. Just because they put a lot of thought in Hamilton's head. Saskatchewan's. Or I mean uh, Saskatchewan's head that had to worry about stopping a run and it, it's almost like a pit your poison scenario for the opposition. And to me, I don't think Hamilton's seen a team like that this year. And I think the unpredictability of what the Bombers will bring will be their best attribute. Now, for the Riders, I like, I don't know how much differently on defense they could have done, but on offense, yeah, I think yes. there's a couple of plays there they might want back. Uh, More like a midfall. Six times inside the two-yard line, they come up with no points. No, not six times. They were in the red zone only four times. No, but game. six played in the last oh, three okay, minutes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Two yards away and nothing. We got to talk about that Brian Bennett play where he stays in. See, that, the that's the play, play I don't understand. Everybody knows you're probably in a running position, but you bring him in the shotgun, which is three yards further back. And Bainhill jumped over the pile and basically stopped him dead on his track that he was four yards back. Like, I don't know if this was a case of the, the riders just trying to fool the Bombers a little or maybe make fools of the Bombers by saying, hey, you got to let this guy go in training camp. Not, he's going to score against you. Yeah, I'll take a trip to the Grey Cup over that type of revenge any day. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't think that was the scenario. I think the Riders tried to emulate the Bombers in their own game plan, and it backfired. Yeah, and and there were a couple cases where they got close. They could have put touchdowns on the board. But Shane Goche stops a punt return, which had everybody in the park fooled. That was a brilliant play by the, the Riders special play. teams. Uh, was it Mo Leggett? I was trying to remember who it, the did Mo, that The Mo Leggett play, we saw that a few years ago. Yeah. And, um, you know that just pisses Mike O'Shea off so much. Wow. Special teams guru gets beaten by his own trick. You can see the reaction of him on the sideline. He's going, and Ryan, you can see this reaction. He's going, mm-mm, that's not dead. And he admitted on the post-game show that there were some blown assignments, um, obviously. But uh, can we just... Also mentioned that this was Richie Hall defense with dotting eyes and crossing T's to a T. Absolutely. Ben, but not Bright, get inside the ten yard line and then we forced you to take field goals. Or in some cases nothing. Um the fact that we held a high powered Saskatchewan offense to zero touchdowns. And I think we held Calgary to two touchdowns, one of which was on third down. Um, I mean, when you go on the road somewhere twice in the playoffs, give up two touchdowns in two games in 
think they want to combine 14 or 15 games at home, these two teams. And Bombers hadn't won since something like late August on the road until last week. So, But, again, the Bombers weren't your prototypical third-place team. They led the lead. They led the division for a large part of the year. A downward swoon is why we ended up being on the road. So, well, and I, I, I don't know if we should be that surprised, but they are where they are. No, and I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of had them almost as the favorites going into this game, largely due to the injury for Cody Fajardo. I want to move on and talk about the Eskimos, but I think I can say the same thing about the Riders that I said about the Owlets last week. Like, obviously, it's disappointing, especially since they came so close to going to the Grey Cup, but. Like, you got to take this season as a win for the Riders because you went from preseason, many people, us included, picking them to finish last in the West Division, uh, trying to see if the team could stay afloat after not making a change at quarterback in the offseason and sticking, ironically, with Zach Caleros coming into this year, which we didn't have much faith in the team. And now they come out of this year, they they finish first in the West Division, they have their future quarterback and I can't wait to see Cody Fajardo out there on the field again next year like the future is bright right now for the riders based on this season and I think I am a lot more hopeful for them coming out next into next year obviously than I was coming into this year so a positive end to the season albeit not the uh, ultimate result Saskatchewan wanted Let's talk about the Eskimos, who have been eliminated now by the Hamilton Tiger Cats. A uh, 36-16 win Hamilton over Edmonton in the Eastern Final. Uh, We started to question whether Edmonton could pull this off after what they did against Montreal last week. But uh, what what is the end story here for the Eskimos? Can I just add one more thing? Sure. Uh, About the Ryder game, I was just trying to find this tweet. How different will the Saskatchewan Rough Riders look next year? Because uh, Jamie and I hosted the Green Zone Sports Show in Saskatchewan, did some quick uh, looking at contract scenarios, and he said, oh boy, this list is long. All starting receivers from last night, four of the five old linemen have played the entire starting defense and linebackers, Plus Ed Daney, Nick Marshall, and Lucius Purifoy. Yeah, that's quite a few. Um, Some will go to the NFL. Now, he also says with the disclaimer, keep in mind extensions may be done, but not yet announced. Yeah. But until done, like that's a lot of change. But it's the CFL. Every team goes through yeah. that pretty much in the offseason. No, it just, it just goes to show that, you know, if the writers thought they were close, and it's the same with Edmonton. Especially, I think, more so Edmonton. Their team will undergo substantial change. The only change I think you accept is change after you win the Grey Cup. Yeah. Let's talk about this with Edmonton, because I didn't get a chance to watch this game. I did watch the highlights before making my way down to the studio today. I looked at the box scores, the storyline, and everything. To me, for the most part in the game, given that... The you're facing the Giants and the Hamilton Tiger Cats here. I thought Edmonton still actually hung around decently well for most of the game, but it was the little bits and pieces as it went along. It was all of a sudden another field goal here, another field goal there, and the lead just became too much. But the, the best way to describe it is 
Edmonton was kicking field goals while Hamilton was scoring touchdowns. And the two turnovers early, which gave Dean Evans a great bunch of momentum. But can we talk about that maybe NFL teams will be giving Brandon Banks a call? Like, what more does Brandon Banks have to prove in the CFL? Remember, was it not for a regime change? He might not even be on the Hamilton title. Yeah. Um, I equate having Brandon Banks on your team to uh, playing a game of Madden where you enter a cheat code that gives you a 99 overall player that catches True. anything that's thrown to him and cannot be tackled because that sure is heck you just seems literally like... literally run him into a brick wall and you still... Like that catch! Like that touchdown catch! Are you kidding me? Yeah, I don't know how you defend that play and... I think it's fair to say that Jeremiah Mazzoli days and Hamilton are done. Probably. I, I I just... How do you tell Dane Evans with two years left on his contract, oh, you're going to be on the bench now while we bring in a guy that, quite honestly, had a pretty severe knee injury and might not even be back to full health. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned last week on the podcast that uh, this game we'd see, kind of see where it's going very early on in it, and, and I think we did see that. You know, you yeah, had the, the two early turnovers in the first six minutes. Yeah, you had the Trevor Harris interception, and then the C.J. Gable fumble uh, kind of got the Eskimos off their rocker a little bit early on. Trevor Harris still did finish uh, 319 yards on the day, but he did have two picks. This wasn't the barn burning performance we saw. Uh, against Hamilton last year for him, or against Montreal last week, was it was it really that simple for Hamilton? Is this is all is this is all it came down to? Is get Trevor Harris off his game early? Like is is that was that the game plan to rule them all for to beat Edmonton, or what was there more to this? I think Edmonton doesn't win the game last week. If Trevor Harris doesn't come out throwing those darts. Because we saw just how close Montreal was to actually winning. And the Trevor Harris magic ran out. And it's kind of right when the opposition scores touchdowns and you score field goals. You're, you're not even in the same stratosphere as far as trying to, you know, come back in the football game. And it just seemed like that every opportunity that Edmonton had to get off the field, they weren't necessarily taking penalties, but they couldn't get a stop on second down when, you know, they needed to continue drives. And I think Edmonton is exactly where we thought they were. They're a couple players short from being a really good team. They're they're a good team, in my opinion, right now. If you put them side by side with particularly members of the East and one particular member of the West. But, again, there are, there are a few players away from being pretty legitimate. I think they need an, another pass catcher, and they need more of a consistent pass rush and some guys that can uh, defend some deep bombs on the back end. Now, to be fair, those deep bombs, pretty hard to stop a deep bomb to Brandon Banks and Braylon Addison. But here's the thing. If you're not getting pressure on the quarterback, they've got all that time to throw. True. You made them throw a setting or setting and a half earlier, the ball doesn't come anywhere near there. True. And that's what the Bombers did so well to Boldy by Mitchell. They made them throw 
a second and a half sooner than he wanted to. If he ha is able to hang on to it a second more, or, you know, you put a hand up to change the launch point angle, that does a lot more so than what we like to call the sexy stats of the sats and the knockdowns and, and all those types of titles and statistics. Now, we kind of... I, as I mentioned, the season ends for the riders being, you know, not getting to the Grey Cup sucks, but I think still a success. Uh, what about for Edmonton? Is this a successful season? Because I almost feel like it's the opposite. Many are viewing this season from the Eskimos standpoint, and na I think now a little less than if they would have lost to Montreal last week. But many, I feel like, view this season as a failure, and there's a lot of questions of whether... Head coach Jason Moss will be back next season. What other changes we'll see? Where does Edmonton go from here? Um, I had people suggest to me and on social media that the Edmonton Eskimos are on the verge of making some major announcements with some changes, whether that's the roster, coaching staff. Um. Something was amiss there in Edmonton. Um, it felt like only at certain times you had only half the team pulling the rope. Uh, there seemed to be a disconnect between maybe the offense and the defense. And, you know, it's like you try to make it work, but there's a problem that isn't quite visible to the public. But you just kind of hold your nose and try to hope it smooths itself out. And... The other thing to consider, too, is the Eskimos recently have a new president who I think will want his own people in there. And I, I wouldn't be very surprised if they completely clean house in Edmonton. Wow. Because uh, maybe not Sunderland, but, I mean, if you get rid of Moss and now you have your coaching staff in limbo and... From the comments that I saw from Brock Sunderland, it didn't even sound like he was fully convinced that he was coming back because he offered no assurances. He said there there had to be additional meetings in the coming days before decisions were made. And I just think, to be honest with you, the Eskimo season ended at the right time because I think... If Jason Moss isn't going to be your coach, if your coach is going to undergo changes, if you're considering firing the general manager based on who maybe your new president wants his own people in place, I think it's an easier sell now that they lost in the division final versus having lost maybe in the Grey Cup or even won the Grey Cup because I think then you're taking everything off the table. And I also think that if the Eskimos would have won the Grey Cup, let's say at the crossover, or even been in the Grey Cup, it wouldn't have removed the problems on the inside that there appear to be. I'll, I'll say this. But they did a great job making it work, and I think they took this team as far as it could go. Yeah, I, I, Before I, they were exposed for basically what we've seen in the last... Half the year. Yeah, I, I think that's well said. And I, I think to me, I, I, I could see Jason Moss losing his job as coach here. To me, Brock Sunderland doesn't deserve to, though. I, I think Brock Sunderland 
uh, absolutely needs to be brought back because you look at what happened this offseason for the Eskimos. You lose your franchise quarterback. Look at the receivers they lost. Duke Williams, Bryant Mitchell, Darrell Walker, okay. all of these major pieces that made Edmonton tick the last couple of seasons. You lost them all this offseason. And what did Brock Sunderland go out and do on the first day of free agency? He replaced them as well as he could have. So I think, I, I think now with those guys, okay, I, I, I didn't. And, and early on in the season, they gelled. Like, that was the best offense in the CFL early in the but season. But how it hit rock bottom so quickly, I... Trevor Harris looks like he did throw for 7,000 yards and 45 touchdowns to one interception. Oh, I think down the stretch, things would have been very different if Trevor Harris was healthy. Uh, I'm not even sure that, you know, the more I think about this, the more I think that that Edmonton win, for lack of a better term, was a blind squirrel finding a nut once in a while. Are you just going to make that reference on every episode going well, well, forward? Because that's it, two in a row, man. Well, well, it's true, but... You know what I mean, right? I mean, you're fortunate to win games, and heck, I'm not even sure. If Vernon Adams doesn't turn the ball over at all in that game, I'm not even sure the Eskimos win. And if Trevor Harris throws a few more incompletions and a few more pits, we're not even talking about Edmonton in this game, I don't think. Well, let's move on to talking about the Grey Cup. But first, an update on the Canadian Football Podcast Network Fantasy League playoffs. My, and then I have some news for you. My season, uh, unfortunately, has officially come to an end in the semifinals. Uh, I did lose to Safmod this week. Uh, he put up 70. I put up 60.9. So I came close, but at the end of the day, a uh, huge game by Kyron Moore was really the settling point. Uh, it puts him out on top. The the underdog story, he beats uh, first place Travis Curra in round one, beats me in second place in round two. And now uh, Safamod from the Piffles podcast is off to the finals to face uh, Brazilian Ty, who was able to knock off Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. So uh, Steve from the Piffles podcast, Ty from Two and Out CFL podcast, facing off in the CFPN Fantasy Finals uh, during the Grey Cup. Stay tuned at, C- at CF Pod Network on Twitter uh, to find out which one of them takes home the uh, championship prize this season. Who's the, who's the favorite in your mind? Or is there one given that it's the playoffs? I don't know if there is necessarily one. I mean... But honestly, this is from an outsider standpoint, somebody that had very little association with the lead as a whole. To me, you had the playoffs and you had the eight teams in it. But your format changes in the playoffs, so you take less players, obviously, because there's there's less... um, because there's less players obviously available because there's less teams playing. To me, it just makes the margin of error that much bigger compared to the regular season. I'd like to apologize to, to Michael Garrell, to all of our loyal fans, for not bringing home the prize to the Canadian Football Countdown. But as I said. I, I am happy to say that you have been retained at your job as our chief. What did you say on Twitter? Yesterday? Fantasy representative. Chief fantasy representative. And I'm pretty sure you would be okay with this, knowing that your actual football team has a chance to bring something home next weekend. Yeah, I'm going to be stressed enough on Sunday. I don't need to worry about a fantasy championship on top of it. This loss may have been a blessing in disguise. But in all seriousness, great job, Ryan. Great job to everybody. Um, For sure, I can speak. 
uh, not just because I am a close fan of the teams that you put together, but as a whole, it was one of my favorite um, things to do post-CFL week is check, you know, who did what and what the standings are. It's it's something that's very unconventional and something that's very new. Uh, the format of what you guys do minus the money and all that kind of stuff is played in a lot of NFL pools. It was unique to see it in the CFL. And I'm hoping that the CFL takes your idea and maybe gets rid of the money and plays, you know, NFL style. Because I think, to be honest with you, that's part of growing the lead in 2.0. Along with 2.0 is, you know, game engagement to fans on the side. Yeah, I, CFL Fantasy is a lot of fun to enjoy alongside watching the game, and uh, I'm looking already forward to next season. Uh, I, I will be hopefully bringing back the CFPN Fantasy Challenge for another season next I, year. I, I don't know why you wouldn't at this point, but that's just me. Will you be joining us, Mike? Will you take uh, a seat? I, I, I don't know. I have yet to submit my uh, franchise application. Stay tuned for that. Uh, that will come next season. But we still got the finals for that to play. And we still have the finals for the CFL season to play this weekend, Mike, in what many are calling the Drought Bowl. As uh, the two longest standing teams uh, without a Grey Cup victory, the Ticats haven't won in 20 years. The Bombers haven't won in 29. Uh, it's the Drought Bowl, and both cities are preparing for rain. I think it's safe to say uh, a little, little play on words there uh, as they're looking to reign supreme in the CFL uh, and claim the championship. It's going to be an exciting day for one franchise and their fans. It's, uh, let's face it, going to be a heartbreaking day for the others as their drought continues for another year. What but would it be the sixth loss for the Bombers since 1990 in the Drake Cup? Well, there was... 2002, 2007, 2011. Were there any others in the 90s? Uh, I think there's 2001. It was 2001 or 2002. 2001, 14 and 4. Right, yeah. Yeah, so only three in the 2000s. Yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 just goes to show what we've been living through here in Winnipeg. Okay, I was born in 92. Let's put this in context, okay? Two years after the Bombers won their last great cup. And we've been how many times now? Four? Three, four. For in a mostly A-team lead. Yeah. It goes to show why there was the reaction that there was. Yeah, this is this is an exciting game. And you know what? It's kind of interesting because there's, there's fans around the league that obviously are upset that their teams aren't playing in it. And yet, I think for everybody involved, besides their team, this was maybe the matchup they were rooting for. Because I think there's this thing across the CFL family that's a mutual respect. As much as we hate one another, right. there's a mutual respect for one another. And I saw a lot of people rooting on the Ticats, rooting on the Bombers. I think in large part... I saw part, a lot of people from me, Eskimo Empire podcast, but we're cheering for the Bombers. Yeah, well, I think it's a lot of it's to do with, you know, them playing the Riders. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be real here. But but, but here's the thing. I think we're going to have a very well-viewed uh, Grey Cup 
beside them the storylines that are aplenty. I mean, let's be frank, right? It's not Calgary and Ottawa, all the same old thing for the third time in four years. It's not Calgary and Toronto for the second time in five years. It's Winnipeg and Hamilton, the drought bowl. Both teams were in first place for a large part of the season. And both teams, like I said in the preseason show, would be in the great up. Congratulations, sir, on getting that one correct. I had Hamilton and Edmonton, so I got one of the two right. right. And you also said that there was a 0.0% chance. Look, why do we need to the, keep bringing this up? That the Bombers will be in the great hub. Yes, uh, as you decided to point out on Twitter last night, uh, I did, to, and we've mentioned before on the podcast. It's all fun and games until there's crying, folks. Uh, what is it now? 16 days ago, I texted you yeah. and said, uh, oh, Right after uh, Calgary had beaten BC and yeah, claimed so the, the whole Saturday playoff game. Saturday in April for the playoffs. Uh, I had texted you and said, 0.0% chance the Bombers are going to the Grey Cup. They're not going to go into Calgary and win. Oh, wait, they did. They're not going to go into Saskatchewan and win. Oh, wait, they did. Hey, all, I'm happy to be wrong. I'll take that. Yeah, it's... it's... It's funny because it's the finals a lot of people predicted this season, but in such a backwards, reverse way that nobody would have. Like, would you have expected preseason if I told you the two quarterbacks playing in the Grey Cup this year are Dane Evans and Zach Caleros? No. Like, I also would have suggested to you that both teams would have been the inverse in the Grey Cup. Winnipeg 14 and 4, Hamilton somewhere around 500, 11 and 7. Because I think mean, I picked the Bombers 11 and 7. Uh, I mean, 11 and 5. 14 and 11 and 7 or something. Or, uh, sorry, 10 and 8. I can't remember. And then just the unconventional ways that both teams have gotten here. Hamilton, it's record after record after record. Winnipeg, it's adversity after adversity after adversity. And I, I'm, I'm just going to come out and say this right now. Win or lose, the Zach Talaro story had been a Hollywood script. Now it's just a matter of do you burn the movie onto DVD and put it in theater to pay win the game. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy that Zach Caleros came in at the trade deadline. I think this is one of the biggest storylines. And uh, I'm going to also make a bold prediction. I'm going to suggest to you that... He's playing for the starting job in Winnipeg. Well, and we're going to get into that. We ha- Again, remember, Mike, we have three hours no, next I week I know. To, I know. to discuss this. And I guarantee you this will be a topic we will discuss, and it will be impacted by what we see happen in the Grey Cup this Sunday. But to me, yeah, it's just crazy because they trade for Zach Caleros at the trade deadline. Uh, I came out and said it at the time. I didn't think that was a good idea. I didn't want to see him out there on the field. Not because I never believed in Zach Caleros. Mm. Like, I always believed that he could return to what he once was as a quarterback. But just from a health perspective, you were scared to see him out there. Just like I was scared to see Cody Fajardo take hits this Sunday in that West Finals. You, you never want to see a guy take a hit, have an injury that could impact his career and impact his life outside of football and I didn't think it was good idea for Zach Coros to come back out there uh he obviously thought it was doctors obviously thought it was 
and he has come out there and he has worked some magic for the Bombers. Two straight road wins going into the Grey Cup. Uh, he knocks off the team that traded him earlier this season after the injury. Against a team where his season ended, an MOP season ended to a serious injury. And, uh, yeah. Nah, nah. If that doesn't get any more story about I don't know what that against the kid, but wasn't even projected to be starting this great top team the other way. Yeah, and now we also have Coeros facing in the finals. The guy who almost ended his season and his career in three plays into the season in Simone Warrens. Like, that is a big storyline that will be talked about throughout this week. It's Coleros versus Simone Warrens. And, and, and I think there is... Goodness gracious, can I hop on a plane to Calgary and watch the practice week beginning tomorrow? I, I You theoretically could. I'm sure there's flights available. Uh, only $800 a hand I shot. Oh, okay, perfect. Should I start a GoFundMe for you, or...? No. Okay. It's... I'm going to resort to watching it on TV and uh, causing mayhem in the streets if they win. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to be a responsible citizen. Good. Yes. Everybody be responsible. Whether winner, whether your team wins or loses or you don't have any stakes. Here's a question race. for you. Maybe obvious based on the records and they speak for themselves. But I'll phrase the question to you anyway. Droughts aside... Because I think if you incorporate the droughts, we know the answer to this question. Who is under the most pressure on Sunday? Uh, both sides? I, I can't answer this Who, question. Who's under more pressure? I can't answer this question without taking the droughts into it, Mike. No, take the droughts out of it. If you're going to force me to, probably Hamilton, because I think Hamilton's the favorites to win this game. So you think Winnipeg, if I say, okay, throw the drought, then you think Winnipeg has pressure? Probably, yeah, because it's been nine more years than Hamilton. Here's the thing. I agree with you. Because I think win or lose, this bomber team gets blown apart in the off season. Because you don't go to the great top finalist without guys wanting sizable raises. I I fully expect the bomber to use Brady Oliveira this week in the great top. And he hasn't played since early in the year at a home opener. Michael Shea had the line of the playoffs, and I think it goes to both sides here. If you got something to give to help this team, no better time than the present to give it. Well, boys, three more practices to walk through in the Grey Cup, and then the winter. Yeah, uh, There ain't much more to give than right now. I, I think the pressure is on Hamilton a little bit more here, just because... The thirteen, the fifteen and three season, they blow out Edmonton in the playoff game. There, like this is the high and mighty tie cats. Winnipeg beat two great top caliber teams to get here. Fair or not, fair or not? Yes. So then, why doesn't Winnipeg, Winnipeg in my mind, had just as good a chance as Hamilton does? Because I, I, but they I, both have pressure in uniquely different ways. They do. And this is not Calgary and Ottawa or Calgary and somebody. This is a matchup that I think all of Canada can get behind. And the TV ratings better be the highest they've been in five years because of it. If not, the CFL is completely screwed. I thought we were told the low ratings were as a result of the great up being the same old matchup of Calgary-Ottawa. 
and there was fatigue amongst people on TV and the big stadiums, and they don't. The time for Canada to dip behind the Grey Cup is right now because this is the most different Grey Cup we've had in the last seven years. So yes, on Sunday afternoon, cancel what you need to do. Put your errand on the couch, whether you're in BC, whether you're in Saskatchewan, whether you're in Eastern Canada or Eastern Ontario, and watch the game because it's Canadiana between two storied rivalries. And if I might add, every single time the Bombers have won the West, eight times now, their great cup opponent has been the Hamilton Tigers. Which is wild. Which is crazy. And the Bombers have won five of those eight games. They're five and three lifetime against the Tiger Cat. So it's almost like, ain't this the perfect matchup to end up win your first great top since 1990? To me, the just, and I know, and I cannot even fathom that we started this year with labor uncertainty. And now the CFL had its dream great top matchup. No disrespect to the other fan bases. It's a completely different animal. But it's Winnipeg with the drought since 1990. Hamilton with the drought since the late 1990s. It's a completely different novelty if you did a team that won the great top in the last four years against Hamilton. This is two teams with so much on the line. Two of the most passionate fan bases. I would say the most passionate fan base out east against the second most passionate fan base out west. And it should be one head of a football game. And conveniently, they meet on the prairies. Wow. I don't know. Do you consider Calgary the prairies? Well, or the foothills, if you want to be more precise. Yeah. Regardless, this isn't a geography podcast. But it's a podcast. Canadiana event between two fan bases that have different pressure than one of the others. So they're, part they're, of me wishes I didn't have a rooting interest so that I could properly enjoy <laughs> this game, but that's not the case. And we're going to embrace whatever it is we do and we're going to have breathing exercises on Saturday and on Sunday morning so that we can prepare ourselves for what I think is going to be a great football game. Yes, I, I, I think it will be as well. It will be a very entertaining game. Um, let, let's talk about the keys of the game for both sides here. We're in our final 10 minutes mm-hmm. of this Grey Cup preview. I'll start on the Ticats side of things. Uh, get the ball to Brandon Banks. Get the ball to Braylon Addison. Uh, this Bombers, you know, the Bombers defense does a lot of bend but don't break. Give up a lot of yards. And they, they, they come out tough at the goal line. But if you get the ball to a guy like Brandon Banks who can make a defender miss here, make a defender miss there, you can, you know, throw it 10, 15 yards to Banks and he'll make a couple guys miss and he'll take it for 50 and potentially get you into the end zone. So I think that's the key for the Ticats here. And and to me, if Hamilton can get out to a lead early, just like they did against Edmonton, they should have a very fine day here. Uh, I don't expect the Ticats to have a super strong running game. Uh, they didn't really particularly... Thank you for playing into my key of the game, but continue. They didn't particularly have uh, a strong running game against the Eskimos, but they didn't need to because they just got it done through the air. They got it done defensively. Um, 
And, and then I think the defensive key of the game for Hamilton is just to find a balance between the two bomber games you watched in the past two weeks. You're going to need to stop Chris Strebler and Andrew Harris. And you're going to need to stop the Zach Kloros deep balls, which he seems to like to throw, as we saw this week. So I, I, I think that's going to be the key for throughout this entire week of practice is on the Hamilton defense to figure out a fine balance of what to cover here. It's going to be spring at the Grey Club. Have you seen the weather this week? No. So the practice week is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Watchroo is Saturday. Game day is Sunday. Zero, seven, five, six. And we'll say about one degree come kickoff. I don't think that plays particularly well in the Bombers' hands. They think they would prefer it to be a snowball like it was uh, last two years ago. But there might be a Chinook, so who knows? Who knows? Uh, what are your keys of the game for the Bombers? Keys of the game? Play reverse. I just love the way they used Chris Traveler last week, despite him not being able to accomplish anything. To me, you find a way to get that running game going. And to me, you use the dual threat. Uh, you control the ball. You keep Dane Evans and Brandon Banks off the field. You use tight end packages to stop the Hamilton pass rush. And then you let, tell Zach Kalaros to let him, let her rip. And, uh, Darvin Adams have 175 yards and a couple touchdowns. And that's the ideal scenario. The Bombers win by by more than 10, by just, we've seen when the Bombers have this two-quarterback option, they're 8-2 and two in the regular season and 2-0 and in the playoffs. When they have Matt Nichols, Zach Kalaros, and Chris Traveler as option, they were combined 10-2 and two this year. Use the quarterback system to infuse the hat out of it and make Orlando Steinhauer in a D unit think long and hard about how you want to attack this. Because the more time they have to spend trying to figure out your three-headed monster, the more chance you have to develop your game plan about basically making them waste all their time. Because clearly, to me, the keys of the game are also the coordinators. Paul Appleese and Richie Hall have both been in a great cup. Both, why Richie may have won a great cup a time or two. Police, I don't think has won a great top. I know he's been coaching one of them an OC in that too many men on the field penalty. But I love the Bombers' experience on in the in the coaching versus Orlando Steinhauer and and we say it all the time: special teams, clean football. Bombers do all that. There's no reason why they can't win, regardless of what the statistics say. To me, the biggest key I'm going to say here for for the Bombers is be cute but not too cute. Uh, offensively, defensively, mm-hmm. because Paul Appleese... Don't overthink yourself. Paul no. Appleese toyed the heck out of the Riders early on in the in the game in the West Final with those deep balls because they were preparing for the run. Well, now the Riders might be preparing, or the Ticats might be preparing for those deep balls a little bit. Uh, they put Chris, Chris Streveler in a couple times where it was clear the Riders knew 
exactly what he was going to do there. And I know they tried oh to... Oh, my goodness. That one threw over the top. Almost tried him. I, I know they tried the throw once, but there were a couple other times he ran the ball and there was just nothing there. So don't get too predictable. Uh, the trick plays are good occasionally, but use them situationally. I, I still have the trauma in my mind of that playoff game against BC from a couple oh, of years ago. Man. The fake punt at your own 25-yard line and then trying a 61-yard field goal. You need to play strong football here. You need to play smart football because I will say this. And score when you can. I will say this, and I've said this all along. This is going to be the best football game, the Winnipeg Blue Bomber. This is going to need to be the best football game these guys have ever played if they're going to upset the Cats here. Because to me, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are the favorite. They're dominant on all three sides of the ball. Uh, they have the playmakers that are known to be able to get it done. They're a well-composed team, a well-coached team. Like, I, I, we're running out of time here on the show, so I'll make my prediction here, and it breaks my heart to say this, but I'm I'm taking the Ticats to win this Grey Cup, and, and that's just based on how dominant they've been. I think it will be a close game, but hate to say it, and I hope Winnipeg's not mad at me. But I'm taking the Thai Cats to win here and really hoping I'm wrong. Every single pit I've gotten wrong has been in reverse. I'm going to stay with my preseason pit where I picked Hamilton to win the Great Cup. But it's going to be a close game. And I think the Bombers find a way to squeak one out if they don't turn the ball over. And that's going to be a big key here is the turnover battle in this game. The 107th Great Cup is this Sunday. The Drought Bowl, which team will reign supreme? It's time to prepare for rain in the cities of Winnipeg and Hamilton. Vanier Cup this Saturday, too, between Montreal and Calgary in uh, Quebec City. All right. We are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out CF Pod Network on Twitter and cfpodnetwork.ca. We'll be back for episode number 100 next week, a three-hour podcast. It uh, should be a fun show. Hoping to get some great guests for that one. Follow us on Twitter at CFC on Mike FM to stay tuned for details. And uh, enjoy the Grey Cup, the last game of the year. Can't believe it's here already. Go, Go Bombers. Bombers! Hopefully we pull out a win. Have a good one, everybody. Enjoy. Thanks for listening. Bye.